Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! Quick fire and drags it down now. Long way out. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Here comes up, chance goal! Scotland has scored! It's a goal! It's Dykes! It's Welcome to the Hamden Roar podcast, the end of the Euro 2024 qualifying campaign is nigh and thankfully we're not recording a podcast discussing the permutations of what Scotland need to do to secure our passage to the finals. That's done and dusted, we can approach Georgia away and Norway at home with a bit of ease and a bit of wind in our sails knowing that we've got it sorted. No need to worry, or is there? Because this, Alan Risk from Air Force One and Ben Ramage, Scottish football journalist with the Paisley Daily Express, is there reason to worry for Scotland at the moment? We like to be glass half full on this podcast, but balanced and fair at the same time. This is probably the weakest Scotland squad, I would say, that we've seen in the campaign so far, Ben. Uh, In certain areas, yes. I would probably say, yeah, goalkeeper in defence. But I just think we still have to be positive. I mean, I'm I may be biased because this I think this one may be my first pod since we've qualified. But I think <laughs> there's still just so much optimism. Like there's still just who would have thought that we'd have been going into these two games not even needing a point? When you looked at the campaign to begin with, I was just I had this dread about Georgia away and the Norway game at home, the last game. You just felt like we were gonna need something. Like we've just been in this movie so many times. So the fact that we're actually sitting here already qualified is just remarkable. Um, and so I think as much as, yes, the defence maybe isn't, we don't have as many options, we're missing a lot of key players. At the end of the day, the hard work has already been done. So I think we really do need to remember that and still think what a brilliant position you know we're in and what a brilliant uh, achievement this team have already pulled off. Yeah, Alan, I'm not approaching this podcast with, the the death knell over this Scotland squad. I'm not suggesting it's a dreadful collection of players. It's a strong collection of players. I think that speaks to the, the depth that we've got at the moment. There are noticeable absentees, though, at the back. I think that's probably the main talking point from this squad announcement. We have Angus Gunn injured, should be fit again soon, which is a positive. It's not a long-term injury. We have Andy Robertson, who will be fit again in the new year. Kieran Tierney, I'm not sure. I had a look. It's all a bit quiet on the Tierney front, a hamstring injury, hopefully not for too long. 
and Aaron Hickey, I think his is a hamstring injury as well. In my opinion, our player of the campaign behind McTominay, who will be missing for a few months. That's four of Steve Clark's first choice back six. It's been a while since we've had a problem like this posed. Yep, it's a, it's a problem. I'm glad we've got never qualified. Um, I mean, if you talk about fate and the way things have worked out, there was a lot of people saying back last month that oh, it'd be nice to qualify at Hamden or in or in front of <laughs> uh, the crowd at, uh, against Norway. And if if we'd known that and hung on, and then looking at it now, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. But like we talked about before, there's so many players there. Uh, every game now, we're playing for Euros places. Um, you guys, you guys all talk about it in the build up, and there's only so many spaces up for grabs. So. Um, defence might be one of them. Um, I think the, one of the issues not it's not only that we're missing so many of the, the starting back line, it's the lack of game time in the legs that are there. Um, you've got guys who've been out injured, who've just come back and aren't back into their squad yet. Um, you like some McKenna. Um, and uh, obviously even the likes of Ryan Porteous isn't in the Watford team right away. He's been suspended and hasn't gotten back in. I'm not sure if he's injured. So, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit of a worry, but like... Um, like Ben mentioned before, um, we started. Everything else beyond the defence kind of looks as is. So, yeah, I think we've got enough there to get through. Scott, Scott McKenna, as far as I'm aware, is not and has not been injured at Forest. He's fallen out of favour completely. Steve Cooper has decided that he doesn't want to place Scott McKenna at the moment. They've even gone to a three at the back, three centre-halves like Scotland do, and he's not involved, which is a bit of a worry. I wonder what January will hold for Scott McKenna. Elsewhere in the defence, no call up for John Souter. Steve Clark says that Rangers told him he was unavailable for this camp. So it kind of leaves us really with Porteous, Hendry and McKenna as the back three. You've got Liam Cooper in there as well, who's not a starter for Leeds at the moment, Alan. That's a fair point you make about game time. Hendry's the only one really that seems to be starting and playing week in, week out over the last couple of weeks and doing pretty well over in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia by the by the reports and the, the league table. I suppose I like the fact sitting okay. I saw a video of him having a good old tussle with Cristiano Ronaldo um, last week, I think it was. So he's playing against players of a decent level over there. And then we come to the wing-backs as well with Patterson and Ralston on the right and Taylor and Josh Doig on the left bend. Now, Doig is having a good season out in Serie A for Verona. He plays on the left of the same formation that Scotland play. If there ever was a time for him to be given an opportunity with qualification done, it would probably be now. But I would imagine that Greg Taylor, having been a reliable understudy for so long and someone that Steve Clark trusts, would have something to say about that. Yeah, I think it would be quite harsh on Taylor, who has you know been in squads and obviously travelled and done a lot of hard work. Um, it would be harsh for him to not get a game against Georgia um, and as much as we have qualified I think we have lost three in a row now I know that's been to very very strong teams pretty much the strongest teams you could play but I think like Clark has said in his interviews today that you know you don't want to lose four in a row like you don't want to get into that kind of slippery slope as much as it's good opposition losing it becomes a habit just as winning does uh, and momentum is just so big in football so I think he'll be going with his strongest 11. I don't think this will, in, in Georgia, I mean, I don't think this will be a, 
you know, let's let's play people, you know, for the sake of giving them game time. I think it's a real case of we need to get back winning because you just don't want that kind of run to go on too long. No, we know Clark's not going to experiment too much. I think he actually said today that this is not a game for experimenting. He's going to pick the best team available. We'll come to the likely or maybe our preferred starting lineup next week when we do the Georgia preview and the immediacy of the game. But at the moment, we're focusing on the the players that Steve Clark has picked to have at his disposal in the first place. We've covered a couple of the headlines there. We can maybe delve deeper into them. Let's start, at, um, first of all, though, Alan, with Xander Clark, Liam Kelly and Robbie McCrory. Now, there's a name missing. It's Angus Gunn. We, we're going to have to get used to the fact that we don't have McGregor, we don't have Marshall, we don't have Gordon to call upon. Whenever one of them gets injured, it's okay. This is where we are now. And Clark, Kelly and McCrory are decent keepers, but we'd find a bit of security with Gunn. And it's it's not great to have him missing. No, not at all. I mean, you look at uh, how we performed under Gunn and we've just looked so composed at the back. Um, and having that sort of... He's, he's tall gun as well and having that sort of strength behind you just it gives you the platform to play forward so obviously it was against France and we're in a slightly better position that at least two of our three keepers are capped um, compared to what we've been looking at the last window but you've got to wonder what what Clark's going to go with um, in the France game I think what the good thing was we got to, we got a chance to see two very different keepers in Clark and Kelly uh, and their style of play Um Kelly, I argue, would be the better shot stopper. And the way that Clark sort of structures his team, I, I think he'll go with Kelly um, starting uh, away to Georgia. But um, what so it's also interesting is this sort of point in the career that McCrory's at. Because if, if McCrory's getting brought in as a third keeper, there's other keepers there in the, in the under-21s, like your Slickers, um, who can who can come in, um, Hogarth, etc. Young guys who've got the potential to go on and become the number one. So if he sees that in McCrory, then McCrory has to make a decision here. If he's getting into a Scotland camp, he needs to leave Rangers. Um, he's not getting game time there. So it'll be interesting to see whether he gets any time over these two fixtures. But like Ben says, I, I don't think he will. I think it's it's a case of get back into winning ways. It's a strange one for Robbie McCrory, isn't it, Ben? He's contracted at Rangers for another 18 months from now. May 25, so roughly 18 months. He's done well when he's come in for Rangers. He, I'm, I'm, I looked at the stats earlier. He's made six appearances, kept five clean sheets, including in two old firm games, and conceded just one goal over those six games. Granted, he plays for Rangers, a team who, week in, week out, don't face uh, uh, a load of shots on their goal if the defence and the midfield do their job. But he's got to be there to be called upon. And the stats back up that he's a decent goalie. What is next for Robbie McCrory? I've spoken about this with Gordon Sheehan in the pod a few times and not to get into the realm of telling players what they should do because we're not in their position, but I I find it difficult to understand how Robbie McCrory isn't a bit unfulfilled or maybe bored at, at the stage of his life at the moment unless he's obviously playing for his boyhood club and collecting a good wage, which he's happy just to see through. Yeah, I think, as you point out there, though, a couple of the games that he did really shine in were against Celtic, which is pretty much the toughest, you know, it's the most pressurised game that you can play for Rangers. 
Um, and he did well. So there's obviously a really good keeper in there. And Clark must also think that because he's obviously seeing him in training when he's called him up. He's getting good reports on him, obviously, uh, from Rangers staff. So it's it's a hard one. I, I really, it must be hard for him because he must be thinking, you know, any keeper wants to play. And you would think that a loan move, you know, another loan move would probably be his best bet. And you would think that there would be a team out there that could do with a good keeper. Um, like like Alan said, I don't see him playing in either of these games because we need to, you know, we need to win them. He's not going to give caps out. And I think, you know, I really love Craig Gordon. I think most of us do. And I, I would still imagine that he is probably going to come back into the reckoning, um, knowing how hard he's working to get back fit. Uh, so I think he will then come back into being an option as well. So when you've got him and Gunn, and then you've got Kelly and Clark as the kind of backups. So I think McCrory's he's going to need to move somewhere and really start to impress to to actually force his way into the reckoning to get past those two or three. Um, and I would probably agree with Alan that I think Kelly just edges Clark at the moment. I think Kelly has that almost Craig Gordon quality of being able to pull a save off that he probably shouldn't, you know, that kind of wonder save. And I just don't see that from Clark. Um I, have, well, I certainly haven't seen it this season in a Hearts jersey. I think he makes the saves that he should make, but I don't really see him pulling off a world-class save that a Gordon can make, and I've seen Kelly make as well uh, in the last few seasons. Well, this is Robbie McCrory's eighth squad. He was actually in the squad for Cyprus and England in September. So he's been around recently. He was in most of the Nations League squads last year, on the bench for all of them. He's yet to play. So we'll see what the future holds for Robbie McCrory. I think if he does go and get first-team football somewhere, he will probably end up properly challenging Kelly and Clark for the third-choice role in the immediate future, providing that Gunn and Gordon are both fit. Um, but as it stands at the moment, they're the obvious candidates. They're the only candidates, really. Liam Kelly, Xander Clark, and then a another Robbie McCrory this time to to challenge for the gloves, to play away to Georgia and at home to Norway. And what's a vital game, they could really, one of them could really hammer their uh, place down as number two uh, for the for the time being, while Craig Gordon is unfit, although he should be fit by the time the March friendlies come around, shouldn't he? So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, my instinct is he'll go with Kelly as well, but uh, we'll focus on that more in depth next week. Moving into the centre-halves, guys. So, Tierney, Injured, Grant Hanley still injured, John Suter injured. There's a back three right there, out. So it'll probably be Porteous, Henry and McKenna. Looking at the names that have been loitering around the squad, sometimes in them from the championship. Uh, any of these names, guys, jumping out at you. Dominic Hyam is injured, so he cannot add to his one cap that he has at the moment, which he got earlier this year. Other players are Michael Rose, who's doing well for Stoke in the Championship at the moment, playing every week in the, at the back for them. And Liam Lindsay playing in the middle of a back three for Preston every week down in the English Championship. At the moment, we've called up the three that I've just mentioned a minute ago, Porteous, Henry McKenna and Liam Cooper. Was there room for another one here, guys? Not necessarily to play, but do you think either of them were maybe warranting of inclusion? Come to you, Alan. Yeah, I think as long as they're getting if they're getting minutes uh, in, in regular game time, they can slot in. I think what Clark's kind of going for here is that he's 
obviously he's got the back five there that started against France. So he's got he's got the guys that he can kind of fill in the positions. I think if you're looking at it on paper and take away what we know about them from the recent sort of game time, you've, if you've got Henry, Porteous and McKenna uh, as your centre three, that's that's not too bad. Um it's the wing-backs area, and obviously Doy's Doy, come off, and he, he's a guy that's going to get forward and get create chances. Um, so I think if the three guys are sharp, which I'm sure when they get into the squad, if McKenna's fighting to try and get himself a January move, then he has to play well over these two games. Um, Henry's obviously consistent. Um, and Portis is obviously trying to force himself back in the, the Watford side, which I'm sure he will, and that must, that must be something else, because he's. Well, I went down to see Watford play. And he's by far their best and most consistent player. Everything they, everything positive Watford create starts from that right back position, that right centre back position that Portis occupies. Um, and so I think it, there must be something else there, which hopefully isn't an injury. But um, yeah, I think if anyone else is uh, kind of getting minutes, they, they should have been included as a bit of cover. The Portis missed the Swansea game at the end of October and then was on the bench for Millwall and Huddersfield. After that, so yeah, I think maybe just his replacement maybe has taken his opportunity. Alan, maybe they've changed their formation actually, gone to four rather than a three. I need to have a look into that. And um, but yeah, um, as far as centre backs go, Ben, anything else jumping out at you? There's also Liam Morrison, but I think it's maybe a bit early for him to be included. He's on loan at Wigan from Bayern Munich. There's players playing at a more consistently higher level than that. Anybody from even Lindsay to Rose or anyone else you want to bring up? Yeah, not not particularly. I was going to ask. I was actually going to ask your guys' opinion on Hendry because I don't know. Just over the last couple of games, I don't know if he's maybe looked quite as sharp. And I'm not sure if I'm just reading into it or not. But I just don't know if the level that he's playing at. I understand that you know he kind of defended it himself as well. You know, saying that he's playing against like your Mane's and your Ronaldo's. But I just don't know if the actual level is is that strong. Um, I've you know I remember seeing pictures of lineups and they're playing in stadiums in front of about two hundred people. Sometimes the the level of opposition I can't imagine is as strong as it is in England and and Scotland. So I'm just I'm a little bit concerned about Hendry's sharpness in terms of. I thought he was fantastic, you know, the last couple of seasons, but I'm just not sure if this move is actually really going to benefit him. In terms of his playing, obviously his bank balance is benefiting, I imagine, quite a lot. Um, but I'm just there's a little bit of concern there for me as to whether he's going to be a hundred percent like fully matched up. I know the last three games were against fantastic players. You know, I understand that the level of opposition was high, but there was moments where I just felt like he was a little bit slow, where normally he would have been quite switched on, and that just concerns me a little bit. Is this Ben? Is this you holding that offside interference against them now? <laughs> What's that? Against Spain. The fact that his toe was offside, are you still angry at him? Yes, yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm blinded. Um, It depends depends who the opposition is out there, I suppose, Ben. So in the last game that El Etifak played, I don't recognise any of the forward players in the lineup of Al Rayed. Okay, but before that, the game that he played was against Al Nasser, which up front was... Cristiano Ronaldo, Sadio Mane, uh, Brozovic in midfield, uh, Tellez at left back. Then they played a game before that. Is there anyone in there that I remember? Uh, well, Odio, uh, Odion Igalo, 
the former Watford striker, funnily enough. Who did Al Riyad have? They beat Ali to fight 1 0. Nobody really there jumping out either. So I suppose it depends on the opposition that he's playing. Um, and where, where was Henry last? He was in Belgium, wasn't he? He played for uh, Bruges. So right, we're quite confident that the Belgian league is of a higher, significantly higher level than the Saudi one, yeah? Well, he was, yeah, he was playing in the Champions League as well, wasn't he? So mm. I just, yeah, I feel like he was probably getting tested more on a weekly basis. But Clark will obviously have his finger on the pulse in regards to that. He's called him up every time. Um, so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll hope, think- hope that he can still be strong. But Henry's one of these guys, Alan, that doesn't really let Scotland down too much at all, really. I know he like, had his shaky moment in the Euros in the Czech Republic game, but I can't really recall too many, too many times in open play where he's messed up. No, not at all. He's done He's done much more. He's, he's, Henry's been another one of these characters uh, that's sort of been a massive part of the Steve Clark storyline um, and all the success he's had from that. Um I think, and we're not talking about a guy who's going to come in here who gets three or four caps. Henry's closing in on 30 caps. Um, he's on 27. So, And the other thing is with Cooper as well. Cooper's um, Cooper's in double digits. So you've got a squad here now who are experienced in international football. As, uh, I think there is obviously going to be an element if you're not playing against the top players week in, week out, in terms of even just systems and uh, the level of opposition, it's going to have an impact. There's going to be that slight adjustment period. I mean, we've all just watched Celtic last night in the Champions League. Yeah. It's um, it, it's inevitable that's going to impact him. However, the good thing is the opposition he's going to be up against in his training in the few days beforehand are some of them like the, the guys you do not want to be playing against. Your John McGinn's, your inform Ferguson's, like he he'll be he'll get a couple of days to get up to scratch. Um, so yeah, and I think it, with with if he's got that support network around him, um, I think the, the difference here is Hickey. One of the things you pointed out, he's been one of the players of the campaign. He he's so assured on the ball, he doesn't lose possession very much, um, and that's really comforting watching from um, your back line. Um, so having Patterson and then the slight unknown uh, quantity in Doig, um that's going to be sort of interesting to see how the how how the defence shapes up and how much they can trust each other early. Because if they can, then I think we'll have a really good game against Georgia. It's good to see Doig called up though, Alan. I think that, that there's always an element of romance when we see a Scott go abroad and, and begin to do well. We're, we're feeling it with Ferguson right now. I think everybody would like to see him giving even more game time uh, across this international break. But the usual suspects are all there in centre mid. So we'll see how Clark decides to prioritise that. But there, there will be people that, uh, rightly or wrongly, it's just an opinion, that, that feel that because Doig is playing well in Serie A, that should automatically accelerate his uh, standing within the squad. But when you've got Robertson, I mean, the, the captain and one of the Premier League's best players ahead of him, and then really, uh, well, there's nobody really automatically after that. You can't count Tierney there anymore uh, unless unless we ever change formation again. But Taylor, and then it probably is Doig because Hickey's fixed over on the right-hand side for us. Yeah, no, it, it most likely is, and that's that'll be why he's there. Um, I think he's again, he's he's a player who's playing at a good enough level that he's competent. Um, he started off; he, he's had a couple of assists earlier in the season. Um, he's not been getting forward as much. I think he's obviously just working on his defence, um, defensive side. I mean, um, Verona are in a relegation battle. Um, 
the same as last year. So he's uh, he's up against it. But I think that that fight and that grit makes you a better player. Uh, and you're, you're playing Italian football. It's he'll come on leaps and bounds. So I think he, he's a player that yeah you can you can slot in. And if he gets the service and we can get the get the confidence to move him up the park, he'll create chances. Uh, and we're fine there. But like you said before, you don't often get chances, especially in our fullback positions, especially our left back position. So I'm excited to see if he can just really grab that. And if he comes in and gets a couple of assists, but no nobody's nobody's worrying now. You know what I mean? We're looking up, we've lost Tierney, lost Rob, we've lost Hickey. It's fine, we've got Doig. So um he's got the opportunity to impress us. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Over to the right, very briefly, not much to discuss there, I suppose. Patterson's the main man. Anthony Ralston has been called up, so no place for Max Johnston, who was included on an emergency basis in the last squad. Calvin Ramsey is also just coming back to fitness at Preston on loan from Liverpool, so no real new opportunities there. Ralston hasn't been in the squad for, well, hasn't been in the team for a while now. He played towards the end of last season. He scored against Armenia. So he will provide some competition for Patterson uh, in the squad. Moving into midfield, nothing really much to discuss there. There's, there are new, no new players. I suppose we'll we'll discuss next week about who we'd like to see start in the team because McGregor, Gilmore, Ferguson, McGinn, McTominay, Jack, McLean—they're all solid players for Scotland. McLean's having a rough time of it domestically. Norwich are on a terrible run of form. And McLean has been captaining them in Grant Hanley's absence. And they're on four defeats in a row. They're down just uh, four or five places above the relegation places in the English Championship at the moment. So they need to do something about that. So we'll move into the attacking midfield or striking areas. I suppose the one attacking midfielder would be David Turnbull, who might have thought that he'd uh, had enough of a resurgence to be Included, Ben, what do you reckon? I know you're a big fan of Turnbull. He's scored in Celtic's last couple of league games after Rio Hitati got injured a bit too early or is, is the, the queue just a bit too long? Yeah, I think he's probably been a bit unlucky that there's not been really any any injuries in the midfield area. Um, as as you've reeled those players off, those are those are our established midfield players. Um I think he would have. He must have been on the edge because I've, I've been impressed with him lately. He is obviously trying to get into a very strong Celtic team, Celtic midfield. Um, but when he does, he, he he always seems to make an impression. Um, even I've, I was I was covering the game um, against St Mirren, and he would maybe when he took a bad touch or you know a pass maybe didn't come off. The 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 anguish from the fans was quite noticeable. So I feel like there's really a lot of pressure on him. I think. Celtic fans are really quite demanding of him. You know, they want him to do something straight away. But when you look at what he has done, you know, he's scoring from outside the area. His passing is still very good. I think mobility-wise, he obviously doesn't... He can't really replace Hatate in that, but Hatate is probably the best player in the league, arguably. Um, so that's a pretty big ask. I think I think he will be involved 
um, in the future. But yeah, I think that the, the gap maybe just wasn't there. You've got McGinn and McTominay who are our sort of attacking midfielders. Um, they've been really, you know, chipping in and sort of helping us out in the terms of the fact that our strikers haven't really been firing that well. Um, so yeah, I think he'll be close, but I think we're quite well covered in that position. I tell you somewhere where we might not be all that well covered, Alan, and it's up front. So we've got the usual suspects there. We've got Shea Adams, we've got Lyndon Dykes, and we have Jacob Brown. So no Kevin Nisbet, no Lauren Shankland, which I find a bit curious this time. I know he's not been firing on all cylinders recently, but he has managed to uh, score in his last three league games, I believe, Celtic Rangers, and then a penalty... Uh, and no, and then a penalty in the semi-final. If we look at the players who haven't made it, Ross Stewart isn't fit yet. Ryan Hardy, I think, has just been injured for Plymouth. Ollie McBurney, I'm not sure he would be involved anyway. I think he got injured for Sheffield United recently. Tommy Conway, doing decently for Bristol City in the English Championship. He has been included in the under-21s, as has Ben Doak. So I think Conway and Doak were probably the only two out-and-out attackers that people might have thought this could be the time that they're included with qualification secured. Any names that you want to throw at us or comment on? Hey, I think it's... You can maybe comment on the fact that, I mean, there's a lot of people pushing Livermento and Barnes um, as, as as they have done. But I guess with the recent success, we've not really had to, had to push them too much. But I think... Um, uh, in terms of when other opportunities are going to come, obviously these are important games, we need to win them, but they're not absolutely crucial. So not seeing these types of players kind of tells me that we're probably not going to see them. At least that's for, that's my opinion. Um, but in, in players there, I would have liked to see a young striker come in. Now, Hardy's 26. Hardy's stepped up. To uh, in the last couple of levels he's played at um, now in the English Championship, he's he's a good striker. He scores great goals, all type, lots of different types of goals. As does Ross Stewart, um, and these are guys uh, like your your Nisbets or your your Shanklins. I think there should be a space in the squad for someone who's scoring uh, who's the most informed striker, regardless of of where you are, as long as it's a competitive league. Um, and we we don't have that. Um, I think out of all of them. Probably Conway. I would have liked to have seen because he's come back and he's got a consistent run of games. Yeah, he's not he's not scored since the, the brace on his return, but he's still he's, he's playing really well. Um, and it would be good to see him get time with the squad as a as a future prospect. Um, but I mean, we know that out of form, Dykes can still score goals. And like you guys mentioned, you, we can find goals in other other parts, um, other areas of the park. Um, so we're not necessarily reliant on that. But I would have liked to have seen, I mean, I would like, I'd like to have seen Doak, I think if he wasn't injured um, and he had maybe got a couple of games for Liverpool in the interim, he would have been in the squad. Um, I think that's probably what's cost him. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, game time. I think that the fact that Liverpool haven't been able to utilise him in those cup games they had and the Europa League fixture, then that really hampers his ability to prove that he's going to turn out good performances at a, a strong level rather than not being able to play or doing it in the Liverpool B team or the reserves, whatever they call it. I think that Shanklin's Ben is probably the the one at the moment who could stake a serious claim. I know, I know you you must see a lot of them. You maybe are 
um, particularly a big fan given your allegiance. Did you expect Shanklin maybe to be given an opportunity to prove that he's capable of, of playing for Scotland on more than just a, an emergency basis? Yeah, Shanklin's a strange one. Um, I thought I thought he would be involved, like especially having, you know, you saw his header against Rangers, you saw the goal against Celtic. Like he has a brilliant finish on him. Like that's un, undeniable. Um, he's one of the best finishes in the country. I, I I thought at the start of the season he was off the boil, and I think the the link to Saudi Arabia, uh, the link to clubs in the Championship in England, there was a lot of big money move talk, and I think that does get in players' heads. I think that must be hard to ignore. Um, it obviously didn't happen, and I wonder if there was maybe a little bit of frustration there that it didn't actually happen, and Hearts were struggling like quite badly, probably still are. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really I thought he was going to get a chance in this this one, um, but yeah. So I I don't know really what's happened now. I don't know if he maybe isn't quite fitting in with the squad because Clark's pretty loyal to players that you know give everything and and fit in really well. So yeah, a bit of a surprise. I'd quite actually like to see Jacob Brown, you know, get a proper chance. I think he's only twenty five. I thought he was actually older than that, but he's only twenty five, and uh, he's been playing in the prem. Uh, obviously, Luton are, are really struggling, but which was understandable. But I think at least he's playing at that level. I think they just drew with Liverpool and he got minutes against them. So he's playing at a good level. He, you know, he must have something about him. Clark keeps calling him up. So maybe this is a time, you know, to maybe give him a proper chance. The fact that we have qualified, you know, we can maybe give him a half, you know, give him a first half, 60 minutes and, and see what he can do for us. Yeah, he's, he's, he has been starting for Luton more often than not. He came off the bench with 15 to play against Liverpool in that 1-1 draw. But he does tend to start for Luton, who are certainly not um, miles below the surface in the Premier League at the moment. They're battling away, holding their own against some decent teams. Mm-hmm. So perhaps we will see more of Jacob Brown over this break, depending on the fitness and the availability and the selection, I suppose, of Shea Adams and Lyndon Dykes. I would expect... Uh, them to start ahead of Brown, but I think you're right, Ben. It would be nice to see a bit more of Jacob Brown because I think France there, or was it Spain, one of the two, we, we saw him, and it, that's a difficult environment to come into. I'd like to see him get some game time when we have more opportunity to get him involved in, in, in open play, I suppose. So, so yeah, um, look, we're run, running out of time here, so we'll wrap it up, and next week we will do a proper Georgia preview and discuss who we'd like to see in the starting 11 and try and not go over um, old ground with Georgia. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Alan and Ben, thanks very much for joining us. And, yes, tune in for next podcast next week. Cheers, guys. guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.